Welcome to the Movie Swatch Free Dive Podcast, where two mice fell into a bucket of cream and we both drowned <laughs> and we are trapped in this podcast. Uh, today, we are talking about a movie that our guest, Jordan, from the Phantom Optimist, from our podcasting network, the Hall of Pods, Hello. has suggested. Gab. <laughs> and Gab's here, too. Gab. You know Gab. <laughs> I mean, the first thing I say is my name. So and I'm Brian. <laughs> Gab, I was trying to introduce our guest. It's not all about you. <laughs> it is all about me, actually. But anyway, uh, secondarily, it is somewhat about Jordan. Jordan, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I've been I've been trying to to figure out which movie for sure I wanted to do for a for a guest appearance for a very long time, and I finally managed to <laughs> managed to think of one for Dylan to have to have me on here. So. And we'll see if we like it or if we pick it apart. But it might be hard to do so because the movie we're talking about is, you know, directed by Steven Spielberg. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio. You've already seen the it's title tough. of the episode, I presume. It's the 2002 movie Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. 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 Now, Jordan, you are going to get put on the spot here. Okay. And I'm going for a streak as long as possible of keeping Gap silent, which I'm doing pretty well so far talking <laughs> over her. Jordan, can you tell me what is this podcast about? Okay, so this podcast is Wait. A, is <laughs> what? Jordan, I was, I afraid, I was, I was distracted. Do you I'm know so what, Dylan? Dylan, you're fired. You're fired. Jordan, I was gonna, Jordan, I was gonna do it, man. Yeah, I was making hand were. signals. She was you distracting were. me. I was counting how long I had been silent. Dylan, you're fired. <laughs> Jordan, tell us what the goddamn movie is about. Now that we're seventy some odd episodes in, and Dylan is still in the dark about what the fuck it is we're doing here. Tell him about the movie, Jordan. All I right, think this is seventy one. Is it? I mean, y'all caught up to, to my show very fast. I think yours was running much, like, chronologically less than mine. But I keep taking, like, two-month breaks because of a vocal disorder. So I, oh, no. I have fallen very far behind on... Uh, Wait, expand upon that. The vocal disorder. Vocal disorder. I have a vocal disorder called muscle tension dysphonia. I developed it as a sort of after-effect of COVID about a year and a half ago. And it's uh, basically... It's just like every time I try to produce sound, there's a muscle that's like right above the the larynx. It kind of deals with the motion of the larynx that tightens up in a way that's just not supposed to do. And then it makes producing sound uh, somewhat difficult. Took a bunch of speech therapy for it. And I got to where I could speak kind of normally again and get back into my podcasting more or less consistently. There's still some some hit and miss like last weekend. I didn't feel up to one. And uh, yeah, so that's that's what's up with me. And that is, first of all, I am so sorry. I yeah. don't think I could go on if I wasn't able to talk constantly. So oh, I, it, it I wrecked me for a while because I was like, a, I was the I was the head of like an acapella group in college and stuff. So I've always like my voice has always been very important to me. I'm a singer. Mm. I had a radio show in college. Then I had a podcast on uh, wow. on Spotify. And so I'm like, oh, it was tough for a while. But here I am. And I think I sound relatively okay. I don't. You do. It's, it's a moderately good feeling day. Well, you are crushing it. And that just like really touched my heart. And, <laughs> you know, that that this is maybe the first time on the second time on this podcast over the garden wall that my heart has been touched. So, oh, good. um, fuck. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> but nevertheless, what the fuck is this movie about? What's this all been about? What am I working toward? 
You think you know everything about me, don't you? I die, but you're bottom. I bloody well ought to. So this movie, Dylan fucking Pollock, is about the mostly real-world story of Frank William Abagnale Jr., considered to be one of the youngest and most daring conmen in American history, and his little game of cat and mouse across the United States and later the world uh, with the FBI, specifically Agent Carl Hanratty. And uh, yeah, hijinks, hijinks ensue, and John Williams' music follows. And it's, oh, I love the way that they set it up right at the beginning with um, j- just the, the little speech that they give you on to tell the truth at the beginning, like sets it all up where he's like, I checked, I, I forged like $4 million in checks and I did it all before my 19th birthday. And I'm like, that's all you need to know. <laughs> and yeah. that's a great intro to the movie. Which that description from to tell the truth is taken almost verbatim from the actual episode of to tell the truth. He appeared on. Mm-hmm. That's true. I, Wait. I did watch for this. Oh, cool. Really? I've never actually seen the original clip. It's on YouTube. I'm going to put it in the description below. Um, Please do. Do they just let criminals go on game shows? Is that like Well, if they're not in prison anymore, sure. Yeah, by that point, he wasn't. Gypsy Rose just got out of prison. What game show do you think she's going to be on? Three, two, one. (laughs) Family Feud. She already won Family Feud. (laughs) I was going to say that too, but I was like, oh. Yes, that was so fucking good. (laughs) That felt like a layup and you fucking dunked. Do you dunk a layup? I don't know. No, no, they're they're literally two different basketball shots, but I appreciate the effort. Thank you. You know I'm what glad, I mean. I'm glad Dylan knew the answer because I don't know anything about sports. Yeah, I don't know. Easy three pointer touchdown for Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good too. That's Noho Hank. My entire <laughs> podcast is about nerd franchises. I don't know anything about sports. That's fair. That's fair. We stay in our lanes. Dill, what does IMDb <laughs> say about this movie? Oh, yeah, we do that. Okay, so the IMDb <laughs> plot summary of Catch Me If You Can. Barely 21 yet, Frank is a skilled forger who has passed as a doctor, lawyer, and pilot. FBI agent Carl becomes obsessed with tracking down the con man who only revels in the pursuit. Yeah. Which I feel like is sort of accurate and also sort of not. I feel like it makes him a little bit older because the movie starts when he the movie starts when he's like 13 years old, which is crazy. Yeah. I think he's because I it's think still he's like just shortly DiCaprio. before his 16th birthday is the opening I think, sequence. I think what made me say that was in To Tell a Truth, it says that he is supposed to. Oh, maybe I've gotten it wrong because I think To Tell a Truth, it says when I was 19 years old, blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah. And see, then it goes it, six years earlier. I, but... I paid like extra super close attention. Uh, is that they say that he did all of the forging and the $4 million before his 19th birthday, but there's like an extra two years that he spent in a French prison that you, yes. you have to like pay close attention to the years to, to notice that there's a okay, big chunk so they don't account for. That makes You would have been like 15 at the start, which, okay, fair enough. Sure. Yeah. Taglines? Um, we do have some taglines. You, which you the first one I'm keeping this on the road? Thank goodness for you, Gab. You are the conductor on this train. <laughs> yes, I am. I actually really like this tagline. The true story of a real fake. Oh, that's oh, I like perfect. That it is rare that Gab likes a tagline, so it must be good. Yeah, <laughs> um, And then we have two very mediocre ones. Frank yeah. didn't go to flight school. Frank didn't go to medical school. Frank didn't go to law school because Frank's still in high school. That's hey. not as good. <laughs> 
It's a bit too many. It's too it's too long and it's inaccurate. Yeah. Because he's no longer in high school by the time he's doing all this stuff. He's he's not like that makes it feel like it's gonna be a Spider-Man style story. Or like Ferris Bueller's day off. Yeah, of like a dude trying to keep up this double life while attending high school. It's like that doesn't happen. Yeah, because him being in high school doesn't matter at all because he just quits it. Yes. Um, and the last one is clearly remember what time this movie comes out because it just says catch them this Christmas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, I, I got nothing for you on that one. Yeah. All right. Um, Gab, you watched this movie. Did you want to expand on what it's about? Yeah, I'll mm. expand a little bit. So I'm going to keep this relatively brief because there are so many details that we could get into and, and we will in opinion time. But essentially, you have the story of a young man who is... Um, from a seemingly normal, very healthy family, um, the father is obviously a little bit of a, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Dill? I was going to go not... con man, but I'm not sure what, what line you were going for. See, I was thinking con man, but I want something like a little bit softer because he. Okay, interesting. He's, I mean, Frank is a, is a con man, you know. He's a con here. gentleman. Yeah, sure. He's a con gentleman. There we go. He's just like, he knows like how to get what he wants. Artist. Yeah, he like manipulates things to get what he wants, but it, it doesn't seem like it's too bad. You know, he's he's yeah. getting the woman who owns the the store to open a little bit early by flashing a, a gold necklace to her mm-hmm. so that she lets them in so that Leonardo DiCaprio, his son can rent a suit so that he can pretend to be a driver so that Frank looks like he has more money than he does. So it's just very Mm. like small things that sort of add up. And over time we find out that his father is in big trouble with the IRS and, you know, loses his store and in doing so loses his wife who cheats on him with uh, his best friend or coworker or something like that. And that kind of sets us up for our story. Frank uh, Jr., his parents are getting divorced, and he has to choose which parent he wants to live with. So mm-hmm. instead of choosing, he runs away. And as he runs away, he figures out that he can start make taking fake checks and cashing them. And from there, he learns that he can be disguised as a pilot and ends up flying planes and collecting money from Pan Am and flying for free across the country so he can cash checks at different places throughout the country. He ends up disguised as a doctor and falls in love, which we'll talk about, (laughs) potentially falls in love, with a young nurse and then moves with her to where her family is from to marry her and ends up working as a lawyer for her father and somehow passes the bar. And from there, he leaves again as the FBI tries to find him. And he just sort of manipulates his way around the country, um, posing in different careers and conning people into giving him money um, until he is inevitably caught. I think that's fairly accurate. I think the only thing that you leave out of your lengthier description is Carl at all. And while Carl is not the lead of this movie, I do think he's important because... Well, I shouldn't say any opinions, but let's just say that Carl is (laughs) chasing him the entire time. Carl is dead set on catching this man, uh, but Carl is also sort of ruining his own career with his fixation on uh, Frank, because to an extent, you know, I know he gets told at one point, don't get embarrassed by this because you could be sector chief one day. But Carl is dead set on catching this. What do they call him? A paper hanger? Yeah. Yes. Carl has a thick Boston accent. That must yeah, be noted. Yeah. 
That's why he's not Carl Hanratty. He's Kyle Hanratty. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. That was it. That was the only thing that I was like, Gavin, it must be stated that Tom Hanks is in this movie. Yes. Well, of course. Yeah. Um, so that I think is really all we need to get into. Why don't we go into uh of more formal opinion time? In this critic's opinion. You know, that's just like uh your opinion, man. Well, I have a right to my opinion, and my opinion is you have no right to your opinion. Well, wait. I have something very briefly that I want to bring up. There's no good segment to bring it up, but okay. I actually reached out to Frank Abagnale has a website. No. So I contacted the website to ask no. Frank Abagnale, <laughs> hey, can you tell me anything that maybe was left out of the movie or maybe anything that you would like to include? And I did get a response from Shut someone who works for Abagnale and Associates. Up. It was It was not the response I was hoping for, but it was... Oh, like, no. They were very much, dear Mr. Pollock, thank you for your email. It has been Mr. Abagnale's longstanding policy that he doesn't grant interviews, especially about his early life and the movie. We turn down national television, major radio stations, and podcasts every week. Please understand that he's 75 years old and does not have any desire to discuss what he did as youth as a teenager. <laughs> he's exhausted from talking about things that happened 50 years ago. He truly feels what he did was immoral, illegal, and unethical, but he paid his debt in prison followed by five years of parole and his release from prison in February of 1974, almost 50 years ago. He thanks you for your interest and understanding. Abigail and Associates. You know what? I'm going to... I mean, fair enough, say. Number one, that is so fair. I totally understand. I don't even like talking about shit that happened 10 years ago. But yeah. number two, he, at, he has to... And I believe this firmly in my heart. He has to have at least a grain of satisfaction and pride in what he did. Think about how fucking famous it made him. Think about how what a great career he had after. Think about all the accomplishments that he had afterward. Like he's brilliant. He's, he's much cunning. more accomplished since. Yes, but he's <laughs> got to be proud of that. It's totally he's fair, but I will tell you, I did go on a roller coaster of emotions from <gasps> to ah. <"Aw."> mm. <laughs> That's fair. Clearly, so did I. So now. We can get into our opinion time proper. Jordan, why don't you start, since you selected this movie, and tell me and the listeners um, some of your opinions. Like, what does this movie mean to you? Why did you choose this movie? What do you love about it? Et cetera. So, so one thing that I really like about it that's kind of an odd thing is that I've always regarded it as kind of a secret Christmas movie. Because, and I, I, I guess uh, Dylan was mentioning in the the tag lines that this may have come out around Christmas. I did not know when this, what time of year this came out. But after watching the movie several times as a kid, I like eventually realized it's like a third of the scenes are set on Christmas Eve across like six different years. Yeah. And, you know and particularly all the most pivotal character revealing scenes are set on yeah. Christmas Eve. It's actually really funny because I obviously, you know, in real time, it's not too far off from Christmas. And yeah. when I watched it, my boyfriend kept saying, is this a Christmas movie? Like, this is a Christmas <laughs> movie. And yeah. obviously he was joking, but it like, low I mean, if we're going to call things like Harry Potter or um, mm -hmm. Die Hard Christmas movies, like this is yeah. kind of a Christmas movie. Yeah, I've always called it the the sleeper Christmas hit because uh, yeah, no one because it, it's hard to even notice that it's set. Because it's like, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh yeah, the, okay, that scene's on Christmas Eve. But then like the second time I watched it, it was like a 
bunch of these scenes are Christmas Eve. That's interesting. Yeah. It took, yeah. Me, it took me a I while think, to pick up on it. I think one of the <clears> most <throat> culminating scenes of the movie is when he finally, at the end, visits his mother's house and sees that his mm-hmm. mother has had another child, and it is Christmas Eve. Yeah, and it's a heartbreaking yeah. scene. Yeah. Uh, it's a sad Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a bit. But it's now but I what's think it's sadder, a Christmas movie. This Christmas movie or Jack Frost, your your husband is dead, but don't worry, he's the snowman. Oh. What's sadder? Uh, that feels sadder, maybe. Yeah, I, I think That's... I'd rather be I'd rather have a son that is in prison for <laughs> you know, major, <laughs> major white collar crimes than a husband who's a snowman. Yeah. Um so yeah, so part of so just to get back to the original question, why I picked this um, is partly that it was something that my parents showed me when I was, I mean, not like little, but I was a kid, and I've kind of we watched it like not quite annually, but like pretty often, just because it was a cool movie and I enjoyed watching it. Uh, I've always gravitated toward anything by Spielberg, sure. and anything with John Williams, which is much the same category, yeah. <laughs> um, but. I always kind of gravitated towards those and I just always thought this was a particularly cool one. And so I'd watched it more and more and more and it just got more and more solidified as one of my favorite movies ever. It might be my favorite movie that's outside of like a big franchise. Like if I take out your Indiana Joneses and your Star Warses and your Marvels and whatever, I think Catch Me If You Can might be my favorite movie in that standalone category. I love that. So that's, why I that was definitely why I picked it for an appearance here it was because I was like I, I I was like I don't really want to make you all watch the third Indiana Jones for Thank you so this because I'm like that's a good one but I I feel like I remember you not liking the first Indiana Jones you remember correct <laughs> and so I was like I don't really want to make Gath watch the third Indiana Jones I was like I, I don't really know that. if I want to bring a superhero movie for uh, an introduction to what I think is a movie to watch before you die, although there yeah. are some. But uh, I was like, this seems like a really good choice for this. So that's that's the reasoning for why I'm here with this. Jordan, why don't you tell us a little bit of like some of your favorite scenes, but I'd also like to know if you have any hot takes. Ooh, hot takes. I feel like... Oh man, I'm trying to think of a good hot take for this movie because it's not a very popular movie. So I I don't I'm not aware of what most people's takes are on this movie because I don't think I've ever heard anyone on the internet talk about it. Here's really? a question I have for the two of you then. Okay. Put yourself in the position of Brenda, Amy Adams' character who he falls in love with. Yeah. On the day of your engagement party, your fiance pulls down two oh, suitcases of money and says, "We're going on the run." Oh, I'm she not gets, actually who I say I am. Are you going? She gets the saddest fucking part of this movie to me. I'm like, she's just got, it's just terrible. Like from her backstory before she meets Frank and everything yeah. that she's telling him about her past and being kicked out by her parents and stuff. And then that they only want her back because she's engaged to a doctor lawyer person. And then <laughs> he's not, and that's not his name. And that's she's Mr. so in Dr. love with lawyer him. person to you, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Doctor Lawyer person to you. And that's not even his name. And then she's so in love with him that she's still gonna go to the thing. And then she doesn't wind up with him because the because oh, I guess 
I guess we don't know if she was just so in love with him that she went or if she went because the FBI told her to go. Uh, she but went, I, she I think was she working for the anyway. FBI. It seems like she had I, no choice by that point. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I what I was wondering is if she would have gone anyway, like if the FBI wasn't a factor and it was up to her whether or not she went. I wonder if she'd have gone. But I'm saying, uh, say Frank airport. finds out an hour before the FBI is on the way. You have time to escape. Mm-hmm. He's pulling down two suitcases, two suitcases of money. And he says, my name's not Frank Taylor, Frank Connors. It's Frank Abagnale. I am a career criminal, but I have enough yes. money to rest us for the to last us for the rest of our lives. That's really Come. tough. It's really tough. I feel like you, I feel like the moral answer is no, but it's hard to predict how you're going to act when you're in love with the person. So I'm like, oh man, I don't know. That's really it's a terrible a situation question. to be put in. Follow up question, Gap. Mm-hmm. Is it Leo in this situation, or is it somebody else? It's Corey. It's Corey for you. Oh, God damn Jordan, it. it's your, <laughs> your girlfriend, right? Not your fiance. Uh she okay. Uh funny. Funny you should say that. She is now my fiance as of like four days ago. Oh, oh wow. I didn't even know that. Mazel <laughs> wow. That's so exciting. Look at this. Thank you. Jordan warming my heart. I could feel it. That's so nice. Corey, if you're listening, you hear that? Yeah. Isn't that nice? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Dylan just got a premonition that uh, that the word fiance might be needed. Um, wow. Okay, so yeah. your fiance comes in with two suitcases of money. We have to run. We can never return here. Mm-hmm. You're going. I'm telling it's you that. really like, tough. I let, feel like maybe. Let me give you a little it's, If Giselle pulls down two suitcases of money and says, we don't need to worry about money for the rest of our lives. I was already <laughs> gone. I was pulling her out the door. <laughs> I'd agree I, with that. I'll leave a voicemail for work. Bye-bye. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I think it, it, I think the hard thing for me is that in it, and this is something that I wanted to bring up. So maybe this is a good time to bring it up. Does mm. Frank actually love Brenda? Or is she just a convenient way for him to continue his scheme? Because to me, I don't really think he loves her. And so I, I think, think he does because I I don't think it would be so much more difficult to keep living this con with two people, um, especially someone who's maybe not as a flawlessly adept liar as he is. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, I don't, I feel like you don't risk even telling her to come with you if you're if you're not like completely in love with her and the and and he's got this like intense like like just his whole spirit drops when he realizes he can't go to her because the fbi is here and so i'm like i I feel like there's there's love at play here yeah i don't know if it's particularly strong because he i don't well i don't know i don't know it's tough because there's i can't like say that oh well then he should have turned himself in when he realized that 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 his love is working with the fbi or anything like that um but yeah i feel like i feel like the the act of even telling her to go to the airport says something more than just an in than just that she's convenient or anything like that that's you fair think he and i have does not about that. is that what you're saying gab that you don't think he <laughs> loves her I did not know because it, to me, when you think about their meeting and like her braces and her obviously kind of being like a moron, you're like, all right, she's <laughs> just like an easy target for him. But then you see the scene where she's telling him about her past and he's holding her and you're like, all right, mm-hmm. maybe it, you know, there's some kind of like relationship forming here. But 
I always wondered sort of like which came first, right? If you meet somebody and you think, oh, this is an easy target, can you ever really love them? Or do you learn mm. to love somebody when you get to know them? You know, it, it's an it, age-old question. But yeah. I think to me, and so to answer your original question, Dylan, the thing that I think is if Corey says to me, I have enough money to last us a lifetime, we got to get out of here, this isn't my name, but I am the same person, I'm thinking, okay, I don't give a shit what your name is well that's fine as long as you're you but because mm -hmm. of the nature of their relationship and how it started i'm like does she know him at all because does he even yeah. love her like is, is it worth it because you yeah, know it's, they don't it's she doesn't really know him he never really he doesn't know him right like who is frank abagnale jr we don't really know i'll also say hmm. brenda i don't think i don't <clears> think the <throat> answer is really either I think he loves the idea hmm. of her and she's a representation of uh, interesting. what he wanted to have in his parents. The idea of, well, I can now create my own stability. I can create yeah. a loving family. That's, that's why... kind of mirrored with him watching uh, her parents doing the dishes and they're listening to the same song yep. that his exactly. parents were listening to at the beginning, dancing. Yep. You have that and you have the moment where <laughs> uh, Giselle was saying that she she thinks that you know he hated every minute of being with brenda and that she ruined everything for him but <laughs> um it's that moment where he's watching them they're watching this tv show mm -hmm. you know, where they're all singing k-e-double-l-y whatever yeah and you see him look around at them all enjoying what is clearly this somewhat <clears throat> traditional thing for them and he just decides to join in and i think the mm -hmm. idea is meant to be that he wants to stay and he wants that to to, to plant himself there because he's ready to stop running and once the FBI comes calling, it's like, well, no more choice. Back, back to it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I do like. That's why Carl is like his name. He's in love with abroad. She's got to keep the same name if he wants the gal. That was not yeah. Boston. I don't know what that. Was. <laughs> <laughs> I do love. I, I'm glad you brought up that phone call because I love that. That although he makes a fool of Anratty several times throughout the movie. We do see that he's genuinely a pretty sharp detective um, um, at times where he's like figuring out that it's like, well, he can't have changed the name. That it's like, that's a surprise to the other two agents. They're like, oh, yeah, he can't change the name. He changes the name, he loses the girl because she, she knows him as this. And my favorite example of that is him figuring out the, the comic books thing and the New York thing where he's like, this, it's like, there's no record because we're looking for a runaway juvenile. <laughs> it's like running for a runaway juvenile in New York. And they're saying, well, how do you know New York? He's like, because he was talking about the Yankees. And I'm like, I like that he's putting together stuff. And he's like, he's pretty far behind, but he's smarter than everyone else that's looking for him. Although he does have the one very stupid moment where Frank is like, I'm at the Stavessen Arms. I'm in this room. You can come get me. And he's like, you yeah. want me to do that, don't you? He, call, you think he I'm calls a moron. Yeah. He calls that wrong. <laughs> um... That's a great scene. Oh, Gab, have you ever been to, obviously you've been to JFK, the airport, right? Yes. Maybe not. Maybe you only gone to LaGuardia or Newark. I don't know. <laughs> I've actually ever... never been to Newark. Yeah, you're not missing much. Yeah. <laughs> That's not me speaking on the city, although um, you're probably not missing much. But uh... Jordan, where are you from? Texas. Is that where you are right now? Yes. So very far from all of the things you just referenced. Uh, I live in the DFW area. I live in northern Fort Worth. Cool. That means nothing to me, but I'm glad to hear it. Anyway, continue, <laughs> Dylan. Um, 
Did you notice that there are several scenes in airports that are filmed at the TWA terminal at JFK? Yes, I did. Did you notice that the first time they go to the bank, it's Grand Central Station? I did not notice that. You have one up my noticing. Now that I think about it, yeah, from what I know about the way that Grand Central Station looks, yeah, that's probably correct. It's <laughs> definitely Grand Central, no question. Cool. So, we also yeah. talk briefly about Let me good that, actually. Christopher Walken is in this movie. Oh, he's great. Like, as fun as it is for everyone to do an impression of Christopher Walken, he's also, he really is a fantastic actor as much as he is a caricature for us all to make fun of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are you staring at? I'm looking up the locations <laughs> of Catch Me If You Can. I'm trying to find the bank. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know why. So, I will tell you, I had a mix-up in my brain of I thought the person he deals with at the bank was Joel McHale, and then I realized, no, that's Spider-Man 2 where Joel McHale's a banker for no reason. Ah, uh, yes. My brain melted Good those question. two together, and when Doc Ock did not try and stop Frank, I was very disappointed. <laughs> Instead, it's uh, it's Elizabeth Banks who has a, a great little two-minute role there. Yeah, you have a lot of people who would go on to be very famous mm -hmm. in, like, yeah. small roles. Yeah. I can't find it, but just take my word for it. Um, <laughs> okay. Now, I have a hot take. Okay. For those of you who don't know, I am a huge fan of Tom Hanks. I think Tom Hanks is the greatest actor maybe of all time i don't think he his performance can even hold a candle to leo in this movie i think it is interesting it is not he, normally he is the light years beyond anybody else in any other movie hmm. i don't feel that way about this performance i think it is good i don't think it is like a mind-blowing performance. I think Leo blows him away. Yeah, Miranda and I were watching this and kept commenting that it's like, it's borderline criminal that it took him so long to win an Oscar. I'm like, he could have for this one because yeah. this is incredible. Yeah. I do wonder who wins that year because I'm not even sure if he was nominated. But um, <gasps> Shut up. Look, look I up, don't, Google I, it. I'm doing it. I don't think that Tom Hanks is like terrible in this movie. I just think, and we've said this before about other roles. I think he has significantly less to do in this movie than Leo does. I think he has less yeah. to do in this movie than Christopher Walken does. Because I think, mm -hmm. to go back into my representation spiel, that Tom Hanks <laughs> is meant to be, by the end of this movie, a representation of stability. And he represents the father figure that Leo wished he had on the other end. Yeah. Yeah. He's going from bad daddy to good daddy by the end. Yeah. <laughs> That's which, true. oh my God. Like, if you want to talk about sad, which, yes, Brenda has a very sad backstory. Mm -hmm. But watching fucking Frank go from finding out his father is dead from a freak fall at a train oh. station to then finding out not only is his mom remarried, which he knew, but he has been replaced by this you know yeah, it just, little girl it just devastates me i act that gets me to cry every time i watch this movie you see that little girl in the window and you're like oh you bitch like it's not her fault she yeah. didn't do anything wrong but you're like how how could you exist yeah. how could you do that and then yeah. when he's going it'll be the car carl you're like oh yeah and the little yeah. wave he gives to the to the girl as he's backing away with his hands up is just like devastating to me 
It really <sighs> is. Yeah, terribly sad. Um, yeah. Oh, is this... Okay, I think then that I might know why he was not the winner for this then. Mm-hmm. Who? Who? I just want to double check and make sure that it's the right one because I typed in 75th Academy Awards for 2003 because it's always the year it comes after. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong. This might be the wrong year because I was like, oh, that is uh, Adrian Brody for The Pianist, which would make obvious sense because he's really, really good in that. Mm-hmm. Either of you ever see that movie? Nope. Oh, no. no, it is that year. Yeah. Was he nominated? Checking. I really like, I just, I need to know that he got some form of recognition for yeah. this. He was not nominated. It was awesome. That's so upsetting to me. Nominated that year was Adrian Brody, obviously for The Pianist, mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage for Adaptation, Michael Caine, <laughs> Michael Caine for The Quiet American. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis for Gangs of New York and Jack Nicholson for About Schmidt. Yeah, sure. Which, like, those are all some heavy hitters of actors, but he's really good in this movie. Yeah. I just think we gave him the Oscar for the Bear movie as, like, an apology. It was a makeup. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't didn't need it for that. Yes. He needed it for everything else he's done. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, what did Denzel Washington win for? Wasn't it training day? And it was like, that was clearly a makeup for him not winning it for glory or maybe. (laughs) Um, Jordan, Mm -hmm. what is your thoughts on the Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet relationship? Oh my God. Kate Winslet. Is that, oh, was it, were they dating at the time or? No, never mind. Kate Winslet is his co-star from Titanic. Yes. I was like, did they date? No, they didn't. And Jordan, that's the problem. They love each other so much. They love it. Like, she will win an award and be like, my Leo, this is for you. And he's, like, blowing her kisses. They love each other so fucking much. I literally don't understand. Like, Can't give they it just up. Be friends? No. Do you think maybe no. you're projecting what you want? There's a ship really at play friends? here, Dylan. No. I saw They're a meme about... I saw a meme about Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. It was like, Leonardo DiCaprio dating 19-year-old supermodel. And... I'm trying to think of what exactly it said from this joke that I'm stealing, where he said, uh, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio is like my employer, paying minimum wage. You know he'd go lower if it weren't for the law. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. And it's true. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio, currently fat? I don't know, Gab. That seems to be your obsession, not mine. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just curious. Listen, I've not seen him at- recently. I don't know. Part of his job, just like an athlete, right? In season, you got to be in shape. Off season, mm-hmm. you don't have to be in shape. Yeah. So I'm just always curious, is this person currently in season? Or in his case, did he just do a movie where he was, you know, maybe playing a heftier gentleman? Like, I'm just curious. I mean, his <laughs> most recent was Killers of the Flower Moon. Right. Haven't seen it yet. Dil, did you see? I have not, but he was not fat in it. Okay. Thank you. Jordan, did you see it? <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I'll get around um, to it. Probably eventually. watch it at home at some point because it's three plus hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of 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 what else I think about this movie. Um, it's very, very. Thank you. Yeah, not that I see. Okay. And you know what though? Here's, I'm here's say my it. hot take. Oh Yay. please. This movie could be like 20 minutes shorter, probably. Yeah, okay. There's a few parts where there, there might be some. What fat would you trim? <laughs> 
maybe cut out him seeing his father at least one of the times. Okay. Probably the I last know, time. I really like all the times he sees his dad because they get sadder each time. Because, because his father's life is just getting worse and worse. His, well, <laughs> yeah. his father's life is getting worse and worse. Frank is having to reconcile more and more with the idea that the family he desperately wants to repair is dead and gone. And, um, and I love that then... I can't remember if it's the last time or the second to last time when he's like begging his dad, just tell me to stop. Just like, yes. just give me permission to stop running. And he's like, yes. you can't stop. And that scene just, that's brutal. That's <laughs> a brutal scene. He doesn't, he doesn't want to live this life. Mm-hmm. And, and then I telling think him you can't stop because he knows he's like, once you're caught, you're caught forever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and he calls, uh, I was about to say Carl. My my brain said he calls Tom Hanks. I was like, no, it's Carl in this movie. Uh, but he calls Carl like minutes later, and I love the touch that he's drawing a pair of handcuffs with like the watermarks on the mm-hmm. counter. <laughs> I've always thought that's neat. I don't think I yeah. remembered that. I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's there's two like rings of water from like condensation on a glass, and he's yeah. like drawing a line between the two rings with the straw. I'm like, that's, that's a nice bit of visual storytelling right there. Yeah. Speaking of which, another really sad moment <laughs> of this movie is um, obviously Leonardo DiCaprio is calling him on every Christmas Eve or Christmas and, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like playing this cat and mouse game with him. And there's one moment where Carl says, he's like, oh, my God, you don't have anybody else to call, do you? And he just starts actively yeah. laughing at him. And you're like, damn, oh, it's brutal. Carl. Yeah. It's brutal. Yeah. Uh, a hot take I have. Okay. And I, I sort of agree with Dylan on the it could be 20 minutes shorter. The scene that I would eliminate, and I'm sure that there is some semblance of this in reality that, mm-hmm. you know, is the reason that it is in the movie. But the scene I would get rid of is where he's working with Carl in the FBI. And then he, like, goes for, like, one last hurrah and dresses up as a pilot. And then they're like waiting for him to come back and they don't know if he's going to. And he does come back and blah, blah, blah. I just kind of feel like we don't need that. He could just work for the FBI. Yeah, kind of agree. I guess that makes sense. I think like you have that moment of him being told nobody's chasing you anymore type thing. Yeah, but I just feel like it could have been they could have done that in a smaller, faster way. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, by Um, the end in the FBI, why is his haircut so bad? Why can he not get a haircut anymore? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, um, he he's so attractive, and I understand <laughs> that like Leonardo DiCaprio is Leonardo DiCaprio, but there's mm-hmm. like it it's a little like hard for me to believe two things. Number one, that his father is Christopher Walken, but number two, <laughs> oh. that he is so <laughs> hard to catch when he's like strikingly attract like i understand that he gets all these like women around him and he wears the sunglasses but it's like he doesn't look like your average joe you know what i mean like nobody that attractive is gonna well i guess the only the only like two scenes where he pulls that off is the one where he surrounds himself with the girls and they do the the real world version of the everyone can't stop staring at the pinstripes line uh, yeah, with wanna, everyone wanna... watching watching the girls instead of watching him. And when he just absolutely humiliates Carl Hanratty by claiming to be Barry Allen. Secret Service yeah. agent. I want to refute both <laughs> yes. things Gab just said. Um, one, nobody knows what he looks like except Carl. 
nobody knows what Frank Abagnale looks like that he's con. You know what I mean? Sure. Okay, that's fair. Two. And I guess it's seen... before the age of uh, security cameras everywhere. And yeah. yeah. Have you seen young Christopher Walken? No. Because <laughs> that is a, a strikingly handsome young man. He actually, he kind of looks like male Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. In this yeah. Photo. Oh, okay. Does. Yeah. I'd buy that. Yeah. Yikes. That's actually really fucked up. Sorry, Scarlett Johansson. Um, <laughs> because you're right. He, he, it's giving Elvis, it's giving Scarlett Johansson dressed as Elvis for Halloween. But I can't wait to hear Scarlett Johansson say, two Avengers fell in a cup of cream. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's a rotary? Oh, for like the Rotary Club? Yeah, the Rotary Club. That's what I said. I never bothered to Google this, but I looked at Corey and said, what's a rotary? And he said, you know, like a, and he made the circle motion. And so I was like, it's oh, like a rotary club. definitely a thing from the 60s because there's the Rotary Club, the neighborhood Rotary Club is mentioned a lot in the Dick Van Dyke show. And I also never bothered to look up what it meant there. So I don't know. Well, Google has given me Rotary International, the community-based organization. One of the largest service organizations in the world, the mission of Rotary, as stated on its website, is to provide service to others, promote integrity, and advance world understanding, goodwill, and peace through the fellowship of business, professional, and community leaders. Sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good oh, answer. Bullshit. Cool. So something that I really love about the just narrative flow of this movie is Frank kind of almost superheroing his way into solving each problem he runs into and i didn't i didn't notice it the last time i watched it i noticed it for the first time this time that like that the line when he fails the first time cashing a check that doesn't that's no good and it bounces he gets kicked out of like the hotel and the guy's like you're a goddamn kid go home and that just immediately registers to him as okay kid was the problem and he goes straight home and forges his birth date to be older and, yeah. and and I love that that's like constantly happening where someone will call him out for something or he'll do something wrong and then he immediately goes and fixes it and it gets more and more impressive. And I just, I, I, I love that. And I also love his obsession with pulling labels off of things in case he needs them to forge something realistic. Yeah, yeah. like his wallet <laughs> full of labels. Yeah, I think that's a lot of fun. What is the more impressive escape? Him pretending to be a Secret Service agent and convincing mm -hmm. an FBI agent to just let him walk out. Brilliant him, scene. One of my favorite scenes. Or crawling out of an airplane toilet. <laughs> I feel like the the, the Secret Service thing is cooler. I didn't cause... ask which is cooler. <laughs> which is I don't know. Impressive? I have no idea. I have no idea how hard it is to fit yourself down behind the tube of a of an airport toilet but i do absolutely that's you're love... not a piece of shit but i'm <laughs> good one very good very good but i really love the whole dynamic of him tricking carl hanratty and saying that it's he's like can i see some identification he's like yeah sure take here take my whole wallet i don't care and that casualness like just catches him off guard and he never thinks to look until he's left the room he does think to look, but it's it's the brilliance of a being a con man, a confidence man. As he immediately, as he sees him, going oh yeah, to look, I forgot him out the yeah. window. Like, oh look, he's taking him out right. Yeah, now. look, there's the there's the perp, but we've got him right there. Yeah. And I I also love that he then turns it back on Carl and says, "Can I see some identification?" 
You yeah. never can be too careful these days. I'll say this still to answer your question. <laughs> I think it is significantly more impressive to con your way out of a conversation than to <laughs> escape a room. Also, let us not forget, he went on for like years after he had that interaction with Hanratty, but mm -hmm. he was caught immediately after he got out of the toilet. So like, yeah, yeah it's impressive, but like it didn't, it didn't last, you know? I guess just the bravery to be willing to go through an airplane toilet and to somehow That's maneuver bold. your way in an airplane bathroom. You got to give bold. him credit for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm giving him credit. I'm just saying it was unsuccessful. Now question for both of you. I'm going to put Dylan on the spot first, but Jordan, you're next. All right. What is the, the biggest thing you've ever conned your way into or out of? And don't say your marriage. But um, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I wasn't going to say that at all, you bastard. No, sorry. Um, well, ooh, I don't know. That's tough. Um, I wish I would have thought longer. I will say there has definitely been a thousand times where I have used, God rest him, my dog as an excuse. <laughs> when my dog totally did not like need us back, and it was like, that's a that's a classic couple con though like you have a dog at home you have a kid at home it's like oh no we can't do it we gotta be yeah home. sorry we can't yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good one um, um i did it's an accidental con but i used to have <laughs> uh a key knife and it's a knife that like it folds into a, a, what looks like a fake key and just by being confidently going through tsa totally let me through with it onto a plane because i didn't even remember it was on my key ring and didn't take it off. And it was just like, I have a knife on this plane. That shouldn't be okay. You guys <laughs> yeah, are terrible yeah. at your job. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, what I was going to say is you, you just mentioned casually and confidently walking past an authority figure. And um, I was, I was going to say that I've done that so many countless times because in college I had a habit and hobby of just randomly exploring campus buildings to see how much of them I could explore, even if they were supposed to be locked <laughs> and, or like have like security desks. And it's like, if you just walk confidently enough and be like, yeah, I've got to go get something that was left here. Or yeah, I've got an appointment with, you know, <laughs> you know, with such and such department, then it's like, you can just walk into anywhere <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. Jordan and so, yeah. Realize. Oh, go ahead. I've done that a lot. No, go you, ahead. You've made me realize I have a much better answer to this. Oh, and yeah. I, at the I was purposely like I remember saying to Giselle, I went, just act like you're supposed to be here and it will be fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had Giselle and my hundred pound dog living with me <laughs> in my college dorm for like a full semester. <laughs> and I just nice. kept saying, I was like, the security's not gonna stop you if you're just walking right past them and act like you're supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. And I just did the every I took the dog out to go to the bathroom and you know, they would drive right past. Didn't matter. <laughs> Wait, you, yeah. you surely you were not allowed to have a dog. I wasn't allowed to have a wife either at the college with me. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Is this undergrad? Yeah. And I will say. You weren't married. <laughs> no, we were engaged. There are two great moments during this time. First is my roommates loved that we had the dog. Mm -hmm. And so my roommate, Mike, took the dog out into the hallway. He was like, can I, can I play with Jack? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. And he brings Jack outside. He's throwing a ball back and forth. And then I go outside and me and him are throwing the ball back and forth. Jack's running to get it. And Jack all of a sudden stops and right in the middle of the dorm hallway takes a huge hit. Uh, <laughs> and I will say, Mike is dying of laughter. I'm like, I gotta do something. 
<laughs> I run into the dorm room. That's I great. get a plastic bag. I pick up the shit, which luckily if, for people who have had a dog, this was a perfect shit because I was able to just lift it up. No clean <laughs> yep, necessary. Yep. And, you know, I, where am I going to get rid of it? I'm not going to put it in mm-hmm. our dorm room. I went down the, the hall to the quiet room and I stuck it in the garbage can in there. And I imagine somebody went to study hours later and opened the door to a powerful smell punch in the face. Oh, God. At some point, me and my roommate, my roommate would often go do these explorations with me. And there was, at some point, we went somewhere where they like needed names for a visitor log or something. And we were like, just in case, we probably shouldn't use our real names. And so we introduced ourselves as Sam and Dean, um, which anyone who's watched Supernatural knows that's the the two main characters. And the guy taking down our names was like, oh, you like that show, Supernatural? And we were like, yeah, we get that a lot. Our, our, <laughs> we get that a lot. And and we were like our, our parents, which were not related at all, but I was like, well, our, our parents were fans. Oh my the show God. is the show is younger say, than the us. show can't be that old yeah that's crazy dude, dude just didn't think of it because we said it fluidly enough and kept walking and oh my god those. i just thought that was funny that's um, so funny what do you got gab what's yeah. your con oh well, yeah i have i have two um that i'm willing to speak to, to publicly own up to um the first is in high school my friend nikki and i would um so we had this thing where if you were in honor society you had kind mm-hmm. of like a permanent hall pass and so cool. basically if you wanted to get up and walk around and somebody asked you for a hall pass you could flash it and it was like a no questions asked hmm. and you so- made a fake hall pass because you couldn't get to the honor society uh, absolutely 100 <laughs> but then <laughs> we realized that it was becoming like kind of obvious because some of the teachers that we had would be in the hall and they'd be like, you're not. So it it, it, (laughs) it became an imperfect scheme. So eventually Mm -hmm. instead of getting caught and being blacklisted, we created another scheme where in my high school, I I graduated with like 2000 kids. It was a very, very big school in my school. Um, there were different offices. So you had the office of, you know, student affairs. There was like the, the, you know, main office guidance, blah, blah, blah. And you could essentially do like a work study where you would work one period instead of taking a class in the office. And sometimes you would have to go and get kids out of classrooms. So they'd be like, you know, someone knock on the door and be like, Hey, I need Dylan Pollock to guidance. And Dylan would have to go to guidance. So we started to pretend that we were working in these <laughs> classes to take each other out. So I would go to Nikki's room and say, Hey, I need Nicole <laughs> to guidance. And she'd get up and be like, Oh, that's man, a good one. You know? And then she would come to my classroom and do the same to me. So then I would give her the paper. I pretended I was in the bathroom. So I'd go back. We'd count to like three minutes. And then she'd come in and say, Hey, I need Gab to, you know, wherever. And then we would just roam the halls. That's no good. teacher That's was good ever one. like, it's very much coincidental that every time you go to the bathroom, you also need to go to guidance? No, because we would change up the periods that we did it. So it was like you were only That's doing fun. it. You know what I mean? Like you'd be like first period today. Okay, second period tomorrow. It was great. Um, second thing is when I was in college, I had a fake ID. And uh, the ID <laughs> was to a girl named Kayla Don Halsey from Morgantown, West Virginia. And she looked nothing like me. She had like red hair and green eyes. Was this a fake ID or someone else's expired ID or something? It was a, it was somebody else's expired ID. So in high school, I worked (laughs) at the Cheesecake Factory and one of the bartenders when I left for college gave it to me. It was an ID he had confiscated from somebody else. (laughs) 
And one day, and it was great. Like nobody ever asked me any questions. You hand it to them. They look it over. They give it back. Nobody's really mm-hmm. like checking, especially in New York City. But one day. <laughs> I gave it to a waiter and my friend and I ordered a bottle of wine and I gave it to the waiter and the waiter looks at the ID and looks back at me and goes, no way. And <laughs> I'm like, don't freak out because the worst thing, you know, the, the the least of my problems is getting the alcohol. The worst thing is that he takes the ID away from me. So I mm-hmm. need to get it back. So he looks at it and he goes, no way. And my heart sinks and I'm like, stay calm. He goes, I'm from Morgantown, West Virginia. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my God, no way. And he's like, yeah. Oh, I can't believe it. Well, that's so crazy. Where'd you go to high school? And I'm like, oh, actually, like I never, I never went to school there. I'm from here, but I, 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 you know, my parents moved there. So I only lived there for like a year. And he was like, oh my God, that's so crazy. And gave it back to me (laughs) and then proceeded to give me the alcohol. But I had to Frank Abagnale my way out of that situation. I was so disappointed that nobody was like, this, this isn't you. Like I, I, at one point I never used it because I like, I'm so dorky in high school that the only thing I would have used a fake ID for was to vote like the kid from the breakfast club. <laughs> yeah. But my brother at one point was like, here, you can have my old ID. And me and Zach look enough alike that I could have used that. Yeah. You're, you're saying this was some random person that did not look oh, like yeah. you? Didn't look like me at all. And there were times that I got turned away, but they did give it back to me. Okay. That's probably just because they didn't give a shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they don't care. They're just like, get the fuck out. Like they care about their shift. They don't care about what you do. But um, yeah, yeah. But I was very proud of that moment. Um, cool. You know who also has it very rough in this movie, besides Brenda yeah. and Frank, mm-hmm. the guy sitting in front of Frank on the airplane. Yeah. Oh yeah. Frank at the end when he's been arrested, he is he's going through it, and I I did find myself thinking, not a good time to be in front of that guy. No. Yeah. Um. So we we do find out at the end of the movie that he did just study for the bar exam and just passed That's it. That's insane. Like, I love that reveal. And allegedly yeah. that is true. Uh, the real Frank says it was two months he studied, not two weeks, but. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's a really that cool reveal. Crazy. I love that. But speaking um, of things that Frank Abagnale is alleging, unless, Jordan, you've got another opinion right there. I see it. No, I was oh going to go into a whole music thing. So you can you can do. Oh, wait, no, because that is you're the person to talk to about this. Jordan knows <laughs> Jordan his shit about music. musical minutes. <laughs> Jordan, tell me about why the music is great. OK, the music. Holy shit. John Williams at his best. I view this to be John Williams most underrated score because everyone loves Star Wars. Everyone loves Indiana Jones. Everyone loves Superman. No one talks about this. Yeah. And it's so cool. Uh, it's era appropriate because you've got that sort of 60s jazzy vibe to a lot of it. But what's more interesting is I, I was paying more attention to the music this time because it's been a while since I've rewatched the, the movie. And there's three main themes that pop up a whole lot other than like like Brenda has a little leitmotif. Uh, this just every time Brenda's around, the leitmotif happens. But there's like three main musical themes. And I started calling them the flight theme the lonely theme and the cat and mouse theme and Ooh. the um the cat and mouse theme is that that kind of low vibraphone bum da dum da 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 dum that's like mm-hmm. it's kind of menacing a little bit but it's yeah. it's it's very much the cat and mouse theme cuz it's happening every single time that carl is getting closer uh it will start up um Anytime that they're in the same area and he's like advancing toward him, that'll it'll start up again. 
and different parts of the theme will play at different parts. Um, then there's the flight theme, which is the more upbeat, which is, I, I think it's just a really pretty theme. I've got that on my phone. It's, uh, it's in all of my playlists because I think it's very one, cool. The, the lonely theme? The lonely theme. So I originally thought it was the leitmotif of the father, that it was like his theme song. And I realized that it also plays in other scenes where, where, um, uh, uh, where there'll be something just really sad or Frank just feels very alone. And when I realized that it's not the dad's theme, but the loneliness theme, it hit me really hard that it also plays several of the times he's talking to his dad. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so if you're playing, it's like John Williams is really good at telling us a whole story with the music that he triggers the isolation loneliness theme several of the times that he's talking to his dad someone you should feel connected to <laughs> and and it's like he's trying to and he's always feeling lonely when he's talking to his dad and i i that was like my favorite thing about the music that i realized this time i didn't realize in previous watch throughs uh but yeah jordan you have a you have a background in music tell us about that yeah so i was i was on drumline throughout uh high school and that was always a lot of fun as uh, you know drumline in the fall and then and then you know indoor more orchestral like the concert music in the spring uh Any, although like, we eventually... musical theory or composition or anything like that as part of that we got a fair amount of musical theory stuff um and were encouraged to try to compose stuff i don't think i ever composed anything very interesting, interesting. but Still, this but whole time, I keep thinking about how much he reminds me of Scott. Why? Just because they both know music well? No, just because... I don't know. He just does. Okay. <laughs> just My does. friend Scott just is a, a composer. Thing. And oh, that's fun. He, he wrote the music for this podcast, which is we thank him for. Ah, uh, cool. Him. And, uh, yeah, you just you remind me of him. And he'll listen to this, I'm sure, <laughs> and, and tell me that, you know, I'm crazy or something, but... don't take it personally though we all tell gab she's crazy yeah oh yeah 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 Yeah, for sure um all right well if nobody else has anything pressing i motion for us to go to facts all in favor say aye jordan do you concur i concur i want the truth face the facts dokes facts have no place with an organized religion i should have concurred I should, that is such an underrated moment. Such a good moment. Uh, that's he like my favorite part of that, that movie. He ruins that man's self-esteem. Just obliterates it. That and Carl's knock-knock joke are, are the two best quotes of the movie. Carl's knock-knock joke. I knock, forgot knock, to bring joke. it up. I love it. <laughs> uh, IMDb gives Catch Me If You Can an 8.1 out of 10. On okay. the tomato meter, it has a 96%. Very average good. rating of 7.9 out of 10. With <clears> 194 fresh reviews and 9 rotten. The audience score is 89% with an average score of 4.1 out of 5. Okay. The critics' consensus, with help from a strong performance by Leonardo DiCaprio as real-life Wonderkin con artist Frank Abagnale, Steven Spielberg crafts a film that's stylish, breezily entertaining, and surprisingly sweet. Roger Ebert gave it three stars. He said, The story is a good story, directly told, and such meaning as it has come... Such meaning as it has comes from the irony that the only person who completely appreciates Abagnale's accomplishments is the man trying to arrest him. (laughs) 
Namrata Joshi from Outlook, a hugely watchable film that disappoints nonetheless. Which probably should have read more of that review, but I was like, don't. Yeah. Wow. Paul Burns from the Sydney Morning Herald. Hanratty isn't a strictly factual character. He's called O'Reilly in the book, not his real name either, but the performance Hanks gives makes you wish he were. Abagnale isn't strictly factual either, but DiCaprio makes him an attractive counterfeit. Ah, that's a great line. <laughs> and lastly, <laughs> Peter Travers from Rolling Stone. What begins brightly gets bogged down over 140 minutes. So the, they have a length complaint there. Which I will say, uh, you know, I probably gave two negative reviews there. I had to scroll through a lot more positive reviews to get to those two negatives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the movie cost $52 million to make and grossed okay. $352 million. Not bad. It was nominated for two Academy Awards. What do you guys think was nominated in this movie? Director? I I nope. pray score. Score. Best original score for John Williams. Fuck which yeah. He lost <laughs> to Elliot Goldenthal for the score to Frida. Okay. Yeah. Johnny um, Johnny gets too many of them, and so they like keep he gets snubbed some years. You can't give him everyone, yeah. <laughs> yeah because yeah. he can't win every year. What about <laughs> Either like some something like scenic or costumey. What is the scenic Academy Award? I don't know, but you know what I mean. <laughs> what the like, what are you talking about? Set design. I don't I, know. What yeah, is it a wardrobe no. thing would not surprise me. Nope. Um, Which the hmm. wardrobe is very impressive in this movie because there's so it's many very good costumes. Screenplay. It's very good. Nope. Well, why don't you just hmm. fucking tell us then? I will. <laughs> Best supporting actor for Christopher Walken. Okay, sure. Which I All think right. is well-deserved for the time that he's there. He deserves the nomination. Yeah, he, he sure. did very well. He also lost to Chris Cooper for Adaptation. All right. Huh. Okay. The movie's directed by Steven Spielberg, who also directed, mm-hmm. Do I Really My Favorite? Say, Indiana Jones, Schindler's List, yeah. Private Ryan, Jaws, E.T. I'm a Spielberg guy. Too. Schindler. I'm definitely, I'm definitely <laughs> a Spielberg Oh, my God. I'm definitely a Spielberg guy. Schindler's as far as too. Schindler's novel. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, sorry. What were you saying about Spielberg? As we were being stupid, I was gonna try to generate another Schindler's List two joke, but I'm like, uh, it feels like you probably shouldn't make too many Schindler's List jokes in a row. So I guess I won't. Um, Three, three's a crowd of Schindler's List jokes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but I was just gonna say that it's like you know people are always I I Schindler I hear a three, lot of... but the E is a three. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I. Uh, I was just saying that, that Spielberg's my personal favorite director of, of the of the list of directors to like. I, I'm a I'm a Spielberg dude. Certainly not a bad choice. The guy knows how to make an audience pleasing movie. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the screenplay was by Jeff Nathanson, who also wrote Rush Hour two and three, okay. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and the live cool. action Lion King. All right, huh. and it's based on the book of the same name by Stan Redding and Frank Abagnale Jr. Hmm. The movie stars Leonardo DiCaprio as Frank Abagnale, who you know from Titanic, Shutter Island, and Critters 3. Tom mm-hmm. Hanks as Carl Hanratty, who you may know from Splash, Bosom Buddies, and Big. Uh, Christopher Walken, who you may know from Pulp Fiction, Batman Returns, and The Deer Hunter. Batman Returns is an interesting one to throw in for him. He picks you know, I feel like uh, There's obvious ones. I, oh, okay. I go with obvious ones, and then I go with, I like to put in a little one that's not okay. obvious. Like Critters okay. 3 for Leo. That was one of his You're, first roles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Natalie Bay, who as the mother, who you may know from Downton Abbey, The New Era, Strange Affair, and The Young Lieutenant. 
Okay. Dylan, I think you should now change these to, uh, you know, Leonardo, DiCap- Leonardo DiCaprio, who you may not know was in instead of who you may know <laughs> yeah. from. Oh, that'd be a fun that, gimmick. That, that would be much better. Motion Where to change the Where the fuck were you 70 episodes ago? <laughs> Listen, the creative juices are flowing tonight, all right? <clears throat> okay. Well, <laughs> and also in smaller roles, Amy Adams, uh, Martin Sheen, James Brolin, Jennifer Garner, Ellen Pompeo, Elizabeth Banks, Brian Ho, and Frank John Hughes. I thought you said Josh Brolin, and it took my brain a moment to be like, no, n- no, no way. No way. Uh, oh, he didn't say that. <laughs> now, do you guys want to hear the fun facts? I do. Yeah. Frank Abagnale has never owned a debit card and believes a credit card is the safest form of payment. Huh. I think he's right, because it's, speaking as someone who had their debit card hacked a year ago. Yeah. yeah not good. Yeah, that's fair. Well, nobody can hack you. Nobody wants to hack you if you don't have any money. So That's true. There you go. That's the safest way to do it. The FBI officer who was chasing Frank and was the main inspiration for Carl Hanratty was really an officer named Joe Shea. Frank Abagnale Jr. used the pseudonym Sean O'Reilly in the book because Joe Shea was still in the FBI at the time. Frank Abagnale said that Hanks did meet with Joe Shea and patterned his performance on him so perfectly that watching Hanks is virtually the same as watching Shea. That's cool. Wow. That's hell see, of a compliment. Tom Hanks is fucking amazing. Hell of a I take compliment. Take it back. Um, <laughs> we already talked about to tell the truth, and the opening was based on an actual episode, which mm-hmm. again you can see in the description below. The story of Frank Abagnale Jr.'s exploits had one of the longest and most difficult journeys from first pitch to its eventual production. In 1981, it was originally announced that his story would be filmed, and Frank in 1981 was going to be played by Dustin Hoffman. Ah, cool. All right, I could see it. Oh yeah. Uh, Gore Verbinski was going to direct at one point and he had pushed production back a few months because DiCaprio had to reshoot scenes for Gangs of New York. The delay led to James Gandolfini withdrawing who was going to play Carl Hanratty but had to return to work on The Sopranos. Hmm. Huh. So we got good old Tom Hanks. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Abagnale's house after she is remarried is the same house from the Father of the Bride movies. Interesting. Cool. I don't know why I found that so cool. I think just because Giselle loves that movie and loves that house. Yeah. Hey. Uh, when Abagnale gets his suit tailored to resemble James Bond, he signs as Mr. Fleming. Ian Fleming is the author of the James Bond books. Yeah. Caught uh, that. Loved it. And here's where things get interesting. Since the 1970s, journalists have questioned the veracity of Frank Abagnale Jr.'s claims. Not until 2021 mm. was it proven that all of the major and minor cons portrayed in the film are either false or highly embellished. The truth was revealed over the last several decades by multiple unaffiliated journalists, documentary filmmakers, FBI officials, state officials, including state governors, medical institutions, individual victims of the crimes, and more. When confronted with some of the facts, Frank has admitted to lying or embellishing the truth, <laughs> though in general, he avoids answering these requests for explanation. I mean, are we surprised? Wow. It is so likely... <laughs> This dude was like the original George Santos, it feels like now. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm like, are we surprised that they weren't true? Yes. It, it's been <laughs> Given said that the maybe, <laughs> maybe his best con is getting us all to believe he was a great con. Man. Yeah. That's funny. Wow. Um, it's likely it was oh, much easier like to get away with his lies at the time when there was a little opportunity to fact check. The internet and digitization of records has changed all of that. In spite of this, Frank stands by most of his fabrications and has often made up contradictory lies as explanations. It's hmm. even been shown before that there are jail records saying he was in jail most of the age that this movie takes place in, from like the age of like 16 to 21. Oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> 
Yeah, but being the righteous man he is, Frank Abagnale has turned down, according to him, because now I feel like I have to take all of that with a grain of salt, yes. turned down three pardons from three different presidents because he refused them all, believing a piece of paper should not excuse what he did. Okay. I mean, yeah, if what you did wasn't really that bad, it probably makes it <laughs> makes you sound even more hard to be like, no, what I did is unforgivable. It's like, no, what you did probably wasn't even really that bad. And you may not have caught it in the movie, but Frank Abagnale does appear in the movie. He's the French officer that arrests Frank and puts him in the back of the car. Did not know that. That's very cool. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. That's all the facts that I have. Wow. Very cool. Well, is that good enough for I'm you? Ready. Yeah, I'm satisfied. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, should we get to some mail? Mail time. When you control the mail, you control information. Mom asked me to ask you if there's any mail for us here by mistake. What? All right, we're going to start with an email we have from our once again correspondent, Trevor. Oh, hi, Trevor. Trevor says hello again. Hello, Dylan and Gab. It's been far too long. Happy New Year to you both. Happy New Year, but also mid-January. It's too late. We're done with New Year. Yeah, yeah. Happy MLK Day. Yeah, I guess. Also passed, but you know. Yeah. We're too late on that, too. MLK Almost Day. Almost Valentine's Day. Oh, my God. No. Can't... Happy Friday to you, Trevor. <laughs> How about that? Well, it's not Friday. It is when he hears this. Gab. Okay. Well, then it's almost Valentine's Day, Dylan. No, because it's only going to be Friday, like, the fucking 19th. Gab. That's not true. This is like, oh, this is coming out in a couple days, isn't it? See? See? You thought you knew, didn't you? Oh, I did. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Anyway. Trevor's what are you continuing. gonna get Giselle for Valentine's Day? Do you guys do Valentine's Day? Um, you know, I don't think that she makes a big deal out of it, but I always put pressure on myself and will make myself feel bad about it if I don't feel like I did anything nice. So she already knows what I got her, but we are going to see a penguin. We're gonna have a penguin encounter. I'm sorry. What? The Saturday after Valentine's Day, because I'm gonna be working Valentine's Day, we're gonna meet a penguin at the aquarium. Wait, so singular one penguin? Well, we get to spend time with the penguin and have pictures with the penguin. Like, we get to be up close with the penguin. Do you get to pet it? I think so, yeah. Is it going to snuggle you? I don't know. Are you, you going to snuggle we'll it? We'll see. I have no idea. I'm, I'm excited for I, this, this is, I didn't know. I didn't know that this was a possibility, that you could I'm, have a penguin encounter. I'm thinking about buying a tuxedo t-shirt just for this, because I don't want to look underdressed next to him. You should. Uh, yeah. Do you remember the the Penguin and the Pebble? That's a book, right? Uh, no, it was a movie. Or Pebble and the Penguin, maybe it was called? Penguin no, and the Pebble. I'm thinking of Sylvester and the Magic Pebble. That's the book. Yeah, but this was about penguins. It was one of my favorite movies as a kid. He had a little green pebble and it glowed. Because I think they give their mates pebbles as like engagement rings or something. Engagement rocks, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, interesting. I love Valentine's Day. However, I have this weird thing about I feel really uncomfortable when people make me feel like they had to do something. Um, so, like, for example, I don't really like I love Valentine's Day, but I don't really love it because I feel like Corey feels like he had to do something. You know what I mean? And then I'm like, oh, I'm sorry that you had to do this. So I have like very mixed feelings about it. Yeah, I, I get that because it's it is a capitalist trap. But uh yeah. But yeah, you know, we all we all want to do nice things for our partners, but it's tough when it's like, yeah. no, this day you have to do something extra nice. Bitch. Yes. Yeah. But also like do something extra nice. Like 
do it. Go ahead. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. I want you to. But also like, oh, not if you don't want to. But also you should want to, right? But like it's fine if you don't. But also You sound like, like some mind game bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just it's really how I feel. Anyway, hi Trevor. Hi. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. <laughs> as, right. soon, as soon as I saw North in the episode title, my mind immediately went to this forgotten classic. Now, I saw this movie as a kid when I borrowed it on VHS from the library, which tells you a lot about how Hollywood handled the movie. I rewatched it on <laughs> YouTube in preparation for your podcast, so I have a few thoughts. Which, everyone, you could just watch it on YouTube because whoever holds the rights does not care. Yeah, apparently. First, I think comparing Elijah Wood and Daniel Radcliffe to Leonardo DiCaprio isn't completely fair. Yes, Leo is Hollywood's leading man, and as Dylan mentioned, both Wood and Radcliffe probably could have chosen to be the face of Hollywood. Regardless, it's important to note that they made it big at such a young age, whereas Leo, although had a career as a child actor, didn't make it big until he was uh, was starting to play adult characters. Yeah, that's true. I feel like Elijah Wood was doing stuff like single digits. Same thing yeah. Daniel Radcliffe starts as like a 10-year-old. And meanwhile, Leonardo DiCaprio started, but he blows up from like Titanic. And he's like yeah. a teen, a late teen. In Hollywood, he's he was an old yeah. He wouldn't have even dated him by the time he got famous. Honestly, too old for himself. Um, What was Trevor saying? That said, it's always crazy to see Elijah Wood before Lord of the Rings in movies like North and the one that I know him more from, The Good Son. Do you know the movie The Good Son? Nope. I don't either. Um, Which I think you guys should definitely check out soon. Gab, add it to the list of recommendations that we have to get to someday. The Good Will Son do, from Dylan. Trevor. I feel like she's lying to me that she's not actually going to do it. I couldn't tell. I'm doing it as we speak. Wink, <laughs> wink. I've never felt less certain that she's going to do something, <laughs> but okay. The Good Son, which I think you guys should definitely check out soon. If you've never heard of it, it's Elijah Wood versus Macaulay Culkin in a horror mystery battle of the 90s leading child actors. That actually sounds really good to me. I'm mm. like, that sounds like a celebrity death match that I would want to watch. I don't know how yeah. good it is this actual movie. Did you see Kieran, Kieran, Kieran? Kieran Culkin? Kieran Culkin do his Emmy speech last night? Um, I didn't really see the Emmy speech. I saw his Golden Globe speech. Mm. Mm. Okay, the Emmy speech was good. Did you, Were you a Succession fan? No, I've never seen it. Oh my god, it's really good. It's Is it really the show good. that's about Steve Cohen? Steve Cohen? Oh, that was Billions, I think. Oh, no. It's not that. It's better than that. It's about actually the Murdoch family like who runs Fox News in fox mm, so it's you're in the inner circle of evil 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 okay uh <laughs> rob reiner who i remember most as the jewish son-in-law from all in the family also guest starred as jess's dad in new girl hmm. Hmm. as far as north goes it's a great movie that didn't get enough love at the time i was afraid that gab was going to destroy this film but i'm really glad you guys liked it i'm a sucker for nostalgia and this is right up my alley until next time, Trevor. Until next time, keep it Trevor. <laughs> I want everyone to end like that now. Yeah. <laughs> everyone steal from Keith. Keep it Scotty. Keep it Trevor. <laughs> um, we have just a couple comments on North. <laughs> from the only other people who probably remember this movie ever happened. Yep. Uh, Linola Cola. Here's an idea. A movie night with names containing some of the same words. North and North by Northwest. Hard Day's Night and A Good Day to Die Hard or Point Break, Breaking Point and Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo? Electric Boogaloo? 
Yeah, you never heard of that? No. It's one of those famous sequel names just because of the ridiculousness of it, I feel like. What is what is Boogaloo? Um I don't know. I don't have the definition of Boogaloo in my mind. Because I always think of that office cold open with the lip sync, lip dub. Yeah. Nobody can do the boogaloo like I do. Nobody do the boogaloo like I do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're doing a good job pretending you they know say some boogaloo. of the words. Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, oh, what was I going to say about it? Zach actually does this game already with songs. Where he yeah, we've like... talked about it. Yeah, we have? Yeah. In the podcast? Uh, that I don't know. Oh, okay. But Zach, Zach does this game already with music, and he tries to perfectly time it as a DJ. Like he wants to time the first <laughs> word with like the middle of a song. So I remember we were driving, and he was just hovering over like <laughs> Spotify or whatever, like ready to change it. But he changes it to the to the name, like not to the part where the song says the word. He just changes it to the beginning of the song. Uh, yes, I think the point is like you want to find a song that starts with where you're ending the previous song, mm. like it's hard to do. I feel like Giselle really nailed this too when we were in the car because she knew like the exact point of the next song she wanted to go to. So like ACDC back in black straight into Amy Winehouse back to black. And you're like, what? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about that transition. If you can keep it smooth, you're ready for that DJ show. If you can't back to the fucking streets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Put me just, just leave me on the streets. I'm already there mentally, (laughs) physically. I just want to be there. (laughs) Emotionally. Did it snow by you today? Yeah, lots. Giselle was yeah, very happy about it, and I was like, oh, snow. I yeah, don't want to do snow. this. <laughs> yeah, I had to break out my snow boots. I just was like, I just had to wear my work shoes, and I was like, my feet are going to be wet all day. Cool. <laughs> Yay. Uh, <laughs> that's how I'll leave forever. We have a comment from Scotty Cameron, of course. Mm. He kept it short. He said, look forward to having Jordan Blumen slash Newman on the podcast. And it's about time because I've lost count of how many times Dylan was on Jordan's podcast, The Fandom Optimus. It's a lot. I've been on his podcast lots of times. And perhaps Jordan will be back again. Jordan and Kyle both talked about coming back already. And I'm like, well, we'll have to do that at some point. But sometimes me and Gab just want to talk about me and Gab movies. That's yeah. why we haven't gotten to any of your requests yet either. Because we yeah, still have too many stupid movies. Our movies. Movie. Our movies. We, we still have Murray. too many movies like that one movie Gab watched one time on TBS that we're doing in a couple of weeks or next week. <laughs> that one movie I saw that one time with some commercial breaks when I was seven yeah, that maybe, I thought was my favorite movie. <laughs> maybe we're closer to the bottom of the barrel than we think. Yeah, it could be. All right. Um. So seems like it's what Scotty wants. Should we get back to you, me, and Jordan talking about Catch Me If You Can? Let's do it. Do or do not. There is no try. The guilty will be punished. Sentence. Jordan, being that you suggested this movie, obviously you should give the first verdict. Oh, yeah. I have one question before we give verdicts. Okay. Which performance do you think is better? And which movie do you think is better? Two separate questions. Okay. Leo, catch me if you can. Leo, Wolf of Wall Street. Also, which crime is more impressive to you? Three questions. Uh, I mean, I, I'm All three, I give both. Catch me if you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Wolf of Wall Street is okay, to be honest. Also, the guy's just a dick and was rich. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah portraying the yeah, he's portraying not half the all con these man cons, that Frank Abagnale pretended to be. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Per, portraying all of these cons as Leonardo DiCaprio gifted acting job, 
great movie, one of my all-time favorites. And um, and if all of it were true, um, th- these would be ludicrously impressive crimes to pull off. Yeah. Okay. So now we can get back age. to Jordan's verdict about verdict. Verdict. All right. this is a movie to watch before you die. All right. So, uh, yes, it is a movie to watch before you die. I like. I I cannot say enough about how good I think this movie is and how important I think it is. Partly because I so love Spielberg and I so love Williams, and uh, I'm just like, you got to see all the ones where both of them did a thing. Basically, <laughs> any any Spielberg yeah. and Williams team up are all going to be. Movies to watch before you die, in my opinion. Um, but uh, this one in particular is, is really meaningful. And I it could just be familiarity bias that I've seen it so many dozens of times throughout my life that I'm like, yeah, it's great. Jordan, how <laughs> old are you? Uh, 26. Interesting. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Do you know what TRL is? No. Dylan? Oh. Total Replace Live with Carson Daly. They don't know, Dylan. Two of my friends are 27, and Corey was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I went to TRL one time, and they were like, what's that? I wasn't so, even, like, a fan of the popular music at the time, and I'm still like, you don't know TRL? TRL is a cultural <laughs> cornerstone, and anybody younger than us doesn't know what it is. Interesting. It's, like, crazy. It's literally, like, if if so, if you said to somebody, well, you know, like, I saw it on TikTok. And they'd be like, what's TikTok? And it's like, I'm not even on TikTok, but obviously I know what TikTok <laughs> is. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's crazy. That's also like, you know, I feel like I'm finding out now that I have coworkers that are like the same age as this feels like a terrible comp, but I'm like 9-11. I'm like, you don't even remember? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. Yeah. These kids crazy. today. I know. Two of my very best friends. I was like, I'm too old to be your friend. <laughs> Anyway, even I've got coworkers who are like three, four years younger than me who were like young enough where I'm like, I don't, I don't get you. Yeah. <laughs> even it only just that small gap. Oh no. Yeah. Then you start feeling older too. <laughs> yeah, your body hurts well, yeah, and I know, they don't know what you're doing. I noticed today that my knees aren't, aren't doing too well, too well with stairs. So my back hurts. It's coming. Yeah. It's coming. <laughs> Meanwhile, Gab's over here in peak physical shape. She's like, yeah, yeah, that must suck. (laughs) Yeah, that sucks. I don't know what to tell you. Um, All right. I will give my verdict on this movie. I want to start by saying that, or should Dylan go first? Am I like the the wild card here? I don't know, but I want to let everybody know Gab's weak point is her knees. Her knees are weak. You can attack her there. Okay. I have great knees. (laughs) I thought you had a weak knee, no? No, my knees are great. Disregard what I said. Don't attack. Hold on. That's exactly what exactly what someone would say if they had weak knees and didn't want That's to be what attacked frank abagnale would say yeah Jordan's right. the attack is <laughs> back on attack the knees <laughs> no i have great knees thank god knock on wood um am i should i am i the wild card i don't know okay i'm just gonna go <laughs> um typically i have an issue with movies that are like longer than you know an hour 45 um yeah. for a multitude of reasons scheduling purposes boredom purposes um <laughs> i just think it's like really gratuitous to have a movie like the all those marvel movies that you're like wow that movie was great and then it like mm-hmm. keeps going and you're like oh my god no please stop i was happy with that <laughs> um 
this movie feels like it's over in a flash. It goes so quick. There is not mm-hmm. even the moments that I know we could cut. I feel like don't weigh it down enough that it feels like a long movie. It's paced I really movie. well. It's paced so well. And I watched it with my boyfriend who had actually never seen it before, which was shocking Ooh. to me. Um, <clears throat> he loved it. He is a, a like classic faller a sleeper he cannot stay awake during a movie we watched mm-hmm. it like relatively close to evening time too and he stayed awake the whole time he loved it he was in it i just think it is a wonderful movie it is paced so well it is funny it is heartbreaking it is it keeps you on the edge of your seat you don't know what's going to happen um great performances great score i love this movie i love this movie for many years um interesting we didn't touch on the broadway musical which there was one it didn't do so well from what i understand um but you know that's neither here nor there but uh i love this movie i think it's wonderful and it is 100 percent a movie to watch before you die i didn't even know there was a musical version of this until i was looking i was doing research and they were talking about the broadway play the broadway play and i'm like really interesting yeah yeah musical dylan not a play musical musicals are plays guys no, they're not. A play implies that there is no music. But okay. no, that can't be true. Dylan, I have a fucking $75,000 degree in whether or not something <laughs> is a play or a musical, okay? <laughs> um, Really? If Somebody you tell me that. we're going <laughs> to see a play and you take me to Cats, I'm pissed. Um, wow. Google <laughs> says you're right. So congratulations no shit, on your right. degree. Thanks. Real wow. Hmm. So musicals and plays are both what then? Shows? The at shows, theater? Correct. The theater? Yeah, theater shows. Yeah. Oh, okay. I feel like I'm just filibustering hmm. before I say that. Like obviously this is a movie to watch before you die. You know what I mean? Like yay. I think Jordan, if you hadn't brought this on and Gab suggested, I'd be like, too obvious. We can't do that. We can't do a Spielberg John Williams movie. No. Oh, no, that's fine. Do that. Um. <laughs> The only complaint that I really could give about this movie was that it's a little long. And honestly, you both said it. It really doesn't feel like it's long. Yeah. Because you're enjoying every second you're watching this movie. And like, even if I tried to say like, yeah, maybe get rid of one of the scenes with Frank and his father. I fucking love every scene of Frank with his father, especially mm-hmm. God, Christopher Walken when they're in that fancy restaurant. Oh, and he's like starting to tear up. I was like, he should have got the Oscar. I was like, God, damn, oh, it was damn good. Yeah, this is yeah. a great movie. This is an underrated gem, quite frankly. Had you seen it before, Dill? Oh, yeah. I think I saw this yeah. movie when it came out when I was like 10 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, fabulous movie. Yeah, that was easy. Yeah. Super easy. <laughs> um, amazing. Yeah, I picked a good one. I'll have to make sure to pick a much more controversial one next time I'm on. Yeah. Yeah, try do. picking something you enjoy from your childhood that you think is great and watch Gab tear it apart. That'll make you feel good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah that'll that. be great. Yeah, or choose a, <laughs> a, a, a classic comedy that Dylan can destroy. Power Anyways. Rangers Turbo the movie. Yeah, please, let's do that. I think um, I loved that movie as a child. <laughs> oh, God. Dylan, I did get a text message from Scott saying that you were crazy for your thoughts on Christmas Vacation. So just want to well, throw that out there. Maybe we'll be talking about that in a mail segment that we'll be recording today. Gab, okay? Oh, great. <laughs> okay, good. Um, Fabulous. Uh, Dylan, what do we say? Well, Jordan, I feel like should I let you say something about the Hall of Pods Podcasting Network? Oh yeah, Jordan, plug. Yeah, away. I'll just say what I'll just say what I always say, which is that uh, which is just as true on this podcast. Now, uh, this podcast is a member of the Hall of Pods Podcast Network. Uh, you can find 
uh, I assume, a link tree in the description of this episode that could take you to any of our amazing podcasting friends. Uh, my podcast, The Fandom Optimists, is one of them. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, my little, that's my little blurb. Uh, you can find Fandom Optimists at Fandom Optimists on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to remember what the thing is you say. Never, never. Oh, yes. I always say never. That can't be right. Never apologize for your optimism. That's what it is. Never apologize for loving your fandom and try to stay optimistic. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) We're lucky I can remember my own name, my own name by this point. (laughs) Kev's going to have to put me down. (laughs) You're, You're out of here. Uh, and if you want to contact this podcast, you can reach out to us at movies to watch before you die at gmail.com. You can send us a voice message at anchor.fm slash movies to watch. And we already talked about the link tree below, but you can find all sorts of great links in the description there. Gab, say, say bye-bye. Bye-bye. And Jordan, thank you for being here. Cause we didn't even say that because we're terrible. Yeah, terrible Jordan, people. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. You said it at the beginning. It's okay. Okay. So now <laughs> bye-bye. Now that we have Jordan's permission. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, would you like to hear me tell a joke? Yeah, yeah, we'd love to hear a joke from you. Knock, knock. Who's there? Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> <laughs>